Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. During, uh, during Lent, Pastor Lloyd mentioned this already, but during Lent we're turning in our Bibles to the Gospel of John. And John penned his letter, uh, the book that we're going to read from, probably about 60 years after Jesus had been crucified, dead, and resurrected. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, the, the synoptic gospel guys, they wrote on the teachings of Jesus. They focused on the, the parables. Uh, John instead instead of going over the same ground, he, he shifts his attention to, to some of Jesus' more puzzling and mysterious sayings. And some of those include these I am uh, statements of Jesus. There are seven of them. And in them, Jesus makes a, a bold declaration about who he is. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, things of, of that nature. However, as we'll see this evening, Jesus is doing uh, more than just telling us something about himself. He's doing that. But he's also making some divine claims. He claims to be equal and to be one with God the Father. Uh, and tonight we're not going to look at one of the I am statements per se. We're going to kind of set the stage here, uh, step back and, and kind of underscore some of the, the, the importance of what is really going on uh, when these verses, uh, as Jesus first used it. And so I want to start uh, first in an Old Testament passage before jumping to the gospel. And I'll, I'll read this Old Testament passage right now without comment. I'll, I'll comment later on. You guys know me well enough that I, I will comment. <laughs> but then we'll turn to the New Testament and to John's gospel. This Old Testament passage will set the stage and then lay the groundwork for what we're going to talk about uh, later on this evening and for the Lenten series. So here we have on the screen uh, verses from Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Then uh, reading in Jesus' name, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am remembered throughout all generations. I am that I am. And next, in the next reading, we're going to jump right into the middle, really actually, actually to the end of a conversation that Jesus is having with the Jewish leadership, uh, the church people of his day, about who he is and who they are as a people. And if you spend time and read all of John chapter 8, it's this heated back and forth, and they even accuse Jesus of being possessed by a demon. So look at these verses here, John chapter 8, verses 51 through 54, reading... In Jesus' name. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
And the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anybody keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is the Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We ask that you would be with us this evening as we have this chance finally after a few weeks of cancellation to open up John chapter 8 and to look at your word. Lord, give us open hearts and open minds to what you have. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, right, Jesus and the Jewish leadership, they're going back and forth, talking a lot about Abraham. And again, we're jumping into this mid-conversation, so it's kind of hard uh, to keep up. But the conversation centered on who Jesus was and who he really still is today. And in the course of the conversation, Abraham came, became central. And Abraham, right, we sang about him earlier, and you all got dizzy, right arm, left arming. Uh, he, he was the founder of the Jewish faith. The Lord God called him from following pagan deities and called him to leave his family and to start out on his own. The Lord promised Abraham that he would be the father of, of many nations. And both Jews and, and Arabs today, Muslims, they look to Abraham as their father. They, they, they trace their lineage back to this one man. And there's no doubt, Abraham was a great man. However, he was a fallen human being, just like the rest of us. He, he, had a, he was a chronic liar. Multiple times throughout Scripture, he's lying. He's doubting God's promise and God's word. He had problems. Uh, and in this text from, from John 8, there are four different truths, four different reasons that Jesus is greater than Abraham. And we're going to go through these first three at least rather fast, and we're going to settle in and focus on the fourth one, the greatest reason that, that Jesus is greater than Abraham. And the first reason is this. Jesus is, is greater than Abraham because Jesus provides life. Look at these, read these verses again. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. But the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. And yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Never see death. Jesus promises to us today is that if we trust in him, if we believe in his word, we will never see death. And this isn't talking about our earthly Death. This is talking about a, a spiritual death. You see, our, our sin, right? Our sin condemns us and causes us death. Not just physical death, but also spiritual death. Eternal separation from our Heavenly Father. And the good news is that Jesus' death, his death on the cross for you, 
covers you of your sin, forgives you of your sin. If you will, by faith, believe in Jesus, you are granted eternal life, and you, as Jesus says, will never see spiritual death. No separation. But on that day, the Jewish leadership missed the point. They missed the thing that Jesus was talking about. They could not see past the physical death, physical things, into the spiritual. Jesus, how could you, how could you promise that people who believe in you will never die? Jesus is greater than Abraham because he is the one who provides life. The second reason that Jesus is greater than Abraham is that Jesus is the one whom God glorifies. He is the one whom God glorifies. Again, listen to these words here. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is the father who glorifies me of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. As it's used here, the word to, to glorify something or someone means to, to praise them, to give them honor. It means to, to put somebody on a pedestal and how, say how great they are. And nobody, nobody really likes the, the athlete, uh, whether they're, they're a pro athlete or whether they're in a high school athlete, who, who boasts and who brags, right? I am the greatest. Who was the boxer who said that? Muhammad Ali back in the day, right? I am the greatest. If somebody declares their own greatness, we are generally prone to doubt it and to say, prove it, right? If, if Justin Jefferson took to TikTok and started spouting off all of his stats from this past season and said, I am the greatest, I am the best, nobody could ever stop me, I'll put up the best numbers, right? It's kind of an unwritten rule. If you, if you promote yourself, your promotion doesn't really count, if others do it, however, that praise might be warranted. And in this passage here, Jesus is not honoring or glorifying himself, but he's saying his Father, the Lord God Almighty, brings honor and glory and praise to Jesus. Jesus is greater than Abraham because Jesus is the one whom God glorifies. Jesus is also greater than Abraham because Abraham looked forward to Jesus. That's the next point here. Number three, Jesus looked forward to Abraham. Look at verses 56 and 57. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And again, this is Jesus talking. He saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Think of this. Jesus lived around uh, 2,000 years ago. Okay? That's a long time, right? Abraham, he lived 2,000 years before Jesus. Okay? That's a really long time. We could go through this room one by one, and I could ask each one of you how old you are. <laughs> and I could probably get in trouble as well, right? <laughs> but I'm guessing, I'm guessing uh, nobody would say that they're over 300, right? <laughs> if, uh, if we did actually, uh, never mind, I know some of these students, they'd probably say they're old, right? <laughs> right? Some of these, these uh, high school students, right? But would we believe them if they said, I'm 300 years old? I'm a thousand years old. You would believe them? 
I wouldn't believe them. No, right? But yet 2,000 years ago, Jesus told the Jewish uh, leadership that he was over 2,000 years old. So it's no wonder that they scoffed and they laughed at him, right? Um, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were blowing their minds. They couldn't figure this out. But let's back up just a little bit. How is Abraham looking forward to Jesus' day? Right after Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord God promised that a Redeemer, promised that a Messiah would come and crush the head of the serpent, crush the head of the devil. And ever since that day, God's people have held on to that promise of a coming Savior, of a coming Messiah who would deliver them from sin and from death and the devil. And then in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord promised Abraham that all of the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. And Abraham knew that this Redeemer would be one of his great, 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 great grandkids. And we looked at that in confirmation today, didn't we, right? We looked at that lineage of Jesus. And Abraham, like all of the Old Testament saints, looked forward to the day when a deliverer would come and would defeat sin and death and the devil. Abraham looked forward to Jesus' day. And then the fourth and final, the ultimate reason that Jesus is greater than Abraham is because before Abraham was, I am. Look at these verses again, verses 57 uh, to the end of the chapter. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It almost, it almost sounds like Jesus stops one of his sentences there in mid-thought. It's almost as if that train of thought of his was derailed. Before Abraham was, I am. And our minds want to finish the sentence, right? What are you? Who are you, right? I am hungry. I am tired. I am cold. What are you, Jesus? Who are you? But actually, Jesus' thought makes complete and perfect sense. And if we, if we miss it at first glance, the, the Judeans who heard Jesus that day, they completely understood what Jesus said and what he meant by it. And their actions in verse 59 go to prove that. Think back to the verse that I started with uh, this evening. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if I have it back on the screen. No, where is it here? These verses here from Exodus chapter 3, right? Moses has left the palace, actually fled as a murderer, and has been a shepherd in the land of Midian for the last 80, or I'm sorry, 40 years. He's about 80 years old at this time. And one day, he's out watching sheep like a good shepherd, and he, and he sees a sight that, he, that he's never seen before. He, he, he sees a bush on fire. I'm sure he's seen that before. But as he, as he watches the bush, he, he realizes that even though it's on fire, it's not being consumed. It's not being burned up. The bush just stays on fire. We've, we've all lit fires before, whether, whether in your fireplace or in your fire grate or the fire pit outside, right? What happens when those branches start on fire? They stay on fire and what happens to them? They burn, they turn to ash, right? This wasn't happening to the bush. It was not burning up. It was not being consumed. And so Moses sees this and says, I got to go check this out. And then he does. And a voice, 
A voice comes from the bush, from the middle of the bush, and, and, the, and the voice introduces himself. Moses, Moses, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham. And then Moses bows down before the bush because he realizes that he is in the presence of God. And then God gives Moses a task, right, to bring the people of Israel, the sons and daughters of Abraham, out of Egypt. They had been slaves there, slaves for many years. And the Egyptians were cruel to their slaves, and God's people cried out to God for deliverance. And now God was about to do something. He was about to send Moses back to Egypt to be his deliverer, to bring his people out of Egypt. And this would not have been a small task. And so Moses, maybe rightly so, is a bit gun-shy to start. And he asks God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? In essence, Moses is asking God, who are you? I know that you're the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, but who are you? And so the Lord responds by telling Moses his name, his holy name. God said to Moses in verse 14 and 15, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. You know, names are are pretty important, aren't they? In biblical times, a name was more than just a, a designation for a person. It did more than identify what family you belonged to. In Bible times, especially in the Old Testament, a name captured the character, captured the essence, captured the identity of the person. Names meant something. Do you know what? The same thing goes for God's name. His name means something. His name reveals to us who he is. It tells us about his identity, his essence, his character. The name, the name of the Lord tells us who he is. I am that I am. And in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, uh, the divine name is just these four letters. You start on the, on the right-hand side because in Hebrew you read from right to left. yod he va he Y-H-W-H. And these four letters can simply be translated, I am what I am, I am who I am, I will be what I will be. It would most likely be pronounced Yahweh, Yahweh. However, this name was so holy for the Jews that they would not even say it. Uh, They would substitute the word Adonai, which means Lord or Master, in place of the divine name. And each time a scribe who was copying Scripture came to the divine name of God, he got himself a new pen (laughs) and started to write there, writing the name of the Lord with a new pen. God's name is holy and special. And this is, by the way, when you read in your Old Testaments and you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's the, the author, the translators of, of the Old Testament telling you that this is God's divine name, the I am that I am. And oftentimes that name would simply just be shortened to I am. And so back to John's gospel, back to the conversation that Jesus is having with the Jewish leadership. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus of Nazareth, the the former carpenter turned rabbi, takes the divine name of God as revealed in the Old Testament, the name that was so sacred and so holy that it wasn't even pronounced. And Jesus applies that name to himself. 
he equates himself with God. Before Abraham existed, I have been around. And on that day, the Jews understood what Jesus was doing. They understood that when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he was applying the, the, name's Lord, or the, the Lord's divine name to himself. And that's why they picked up stones. Because uh, stoning somebody, throwing rocks at them until they are dead, that was the punishment for somebody who blasphemed, who misused the name of God. They, they picked up stones to throw at Jesus because he equated himself with God. And if Jesus wasn't God, he would have deserved to die for what he said. Again, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemous to take God's name. Uh, but there's a good reason why Jesus was able to take this name and apply it to himself. It's because he is God. And with these words, we get a glimpse, just a, a small glimpse of the triune nature of God. We confess that we believe in God being a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's a mystery that we can't comprehend because it's like nothing here on earth. And we talked about it in confirmation again today, right? <laughs> the trinity, how can that be? How can one God be in three persons without confusing the persons or dividing the divine substance, right? But let me let, me in on, let, me let you in on a little secret. Um, Grown-ups and theologians, we don't always have all the answers <laughs> for these deep mysteries of life, right? Uh, we don't have a good answer. We simply believe it because the Bible says it and we trust in it and the Bible tells us this is who God is. So why is this all important? Why are we looking at these I am's in the Gospel of John during Lent? These I am statements of, of Jesus let us look deeper at his character and nature. They tell us more of what he is and what he has done for us. And just like you, <laughs> just like you hopefully got to know somebody a little bit better uh, this, earlier this evening when I asked you to get up and talk to somebody, right? Tell, tell somebody else who you are. I hope that as we go through this series that we know a little bit more about who Jesus is, what he has done for us, how he gave himself for you to die for you because he loves you. In this season of Lent, I, I encourage you, get to know God more through his word. Take time to read through John's, John's gospel as we go through these I am's. Let his word minister to you. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you again for the evening. Thank you for um, these verses. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross in our place and on our behalf. And if there's somebody again here this evening who does not know you as Lord and Savior, Jesus, we pray that that person uh, would, would speak to somebody and uh, you would draw them to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.